morning this morning. Thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, I always look forward to Sunday. Um, I look forward to spending time with my family. I look forward to fellowshipping with my church family. Um, a lot of times, like the song said, give me, give me your eyes to see. I think we miss a lot of the things because we look with our own eyes. You know, we reach with our own arms and hands, and we try to do our own works instead of His. We see people in the way we want to see Him instead of the way He wants us to see Him. Because as I look around, you know, um, I don't necessarily see the things that He wants me to see because I get caught up in, in me, basically. I get caught up in what I want and what I am wanting to do or my goals and my agenda. And I fail to see the things that He wants me to see which is the hurting and the lost. Um, and a lot of times it's just an eye-opener whenever we can actually get his perspective on things and, and see people in the light that he wants us to see them. Um, we see deeper. We see more involved. We see more intimacy. And uh, the world needs a little more depth as we're all running pretty shallow anymore, I believe. So... If you would, uh, please bow your heads with me this morning as we go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful to be in your presence, God. I pray that nobody takes this time too lightly, Lord. Um, as we came here to seek you and find you, God, I know that your presence is here. God, I pray that we can unite spiritually this morning. God, that you would bond us together in your love, your grace, and your mercy. God, that we would become one body. One arm, one hand, reaching out for you, God, to mourn this morning as we uh, come to worship you and to honor you and to praise you. God, I pray that this morning that would be our only agenda. God, to come give glory back to you, united as family, covered by the blood, Lord. That you reach out for us and you made a way for us. That we did nothing to deserve it. But God, you made a way when we were at our lowest. Lord, when our sin was darker than dark, blacker than black, God, you reached for us. You sent your son to die for us. Lord, that we would have a way to be rid clean, to be washed to the black, to turn white, Lord, into your glory and your favor. God, I'm so thankful for that this morning. God, I'm thankful for the opportunity to gather here with people like-minded as me, Lord. And I just pray that if there's anybody here this morning that has not made a decision for you, God, that this hour, this time would be that time. God, that there is not time to waste. Lord, there is not time for chance, but God, to know, to secure salvation in you. Lord, I pray that that happens this morning. God, I pray that lives are changed forever today. God, whether here or afterwards, it doesn't matter, Lord, as long as people are making decisions for you. Lord, it's your glory, not mine. Lord, be with me this morning. Use me as a vessel for your word. God, that nothing would be of me but all of you. God, as we reach out for you this morning, God, take our hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I had some struggles this morning um, and all week, to be honest with you. Uh, Different spirituality is taking place in the background of my life. 
Um, anybody who knows spiritual warfare takes place 100% all the time, whether you want to recognize it or not, it is taking place. Um, this week, God gave me a word beginning of the week. Um, it was a good word. I got in, studied, wrote down some verses, uh, really prayed about it. And then, man, like Thursday or Friday, I had this another sense and this other feeling come across me that I needed to change what I was doing. And so I started to dive into that a little bit, and I just never felt comfortable with it. I was going down a different avenue, and this morning I woke up torn. Because I thought God was changing a message on me. But what I let happen was, this morning, as you can tell, are you a seeker? I, I'm, I'm led by God to believe that He has sent me here to encourage people to uh, encourage them to step out in faith to encourage them to do go and be excited about the word of God I believe that is my purpose and I try to do it to the best of my ability and the word that came to me after this was a peaceful season which we need rest peace and the serenity of God surrounding and relationship with him and what we need before we go to battle you know, I had all these thoughts come to me and, and scenarios like a boxer in between rounds taking rest and getting advice to go out for the next battle. You know, it's imperative that they have that time between battles to rest, rejuvenate, get instruction, and go back out. And I honestly thought that's where God was sending me this morning, but as I got into God's Word early and I studied all morning, you can ask Misty, from the time I woke up, I was in my Bible until the time I came here, and then even after I got here. But what God allowed me to discern this morning was I sent you to encourage, to push out, to step out, to step up. He said, yes, there's a season of rest, but that's not what I sent for you. There's a season for rest and there is a time for it, but that is not what season you're in. You need to encourage because there is a lack of time. I'm coming back and people need to get on the move and that's what I sent you for. As I prayed it out this morning and I was talking to God, I flipped back to the notes that I had wrote earlier in this week and God lit a fire inside of me and I knew exactly where I needed to be and what message I needed to preach. Yes, there is a season for rest, but now is not that season for me or for my family. I don't know what season you're in, but if it is a season of rest, make sure it's just a season. Do not stay there. He didn't build houses. They built tents when they were on the move. Why? Because that isn't their temporary, that is not their permanent dwelling. It is temporary, made to move and keep moving and keep marching. Because we're marching towards our home. Everything that we build down here is a tent because it's not permanent. And then as I was praying later this morning, as I got here and I went to the Lord in prayer, I thought, man, God, thank you for allowing me to see what you wanted me to see. God, that you've allowed me to learn your voice, to discern between being misguided and misdirected. And I pray that you spend time in God's presence so that when the time comes, you can discern what is God's voice. It's important. 
Because there's a lot of people. I, had, I spoke to my brother last night. We, we talked for about an hour and a half. And there's a lot of people misguiding people now. There's a lot of things out there. A lot of philosophical, theological explanations for everything that's going on. But you have to ask yourself, does it line up with the true word of God? There's a lot of preachers out there preaching a lot of different messages, but always, always, always resort back to God's word and does it line up there? That's on you. What they preach is on them. What I preach is on me. But what you hear and what you listen to and what you follow is on you. That's your discernment. I answer for me and you answer for you. And there's a lot of things out there trying to distract us, sending us different ways. Sending us down different paths, believing different things. There's groups of people out there that think just because you're a good person, you're going to make it to heaven. And just because you live a free life, you can do anything that you want to do and everything ends all happy. Spoiler alert. That does not line up with God's word. I'm sorry if you thought that. But I'm here to set you straight this morning because that's what God wants us to do because that's what his path is, is straight. So if you came here this morning thinking that you can live whatever life you want to live and that you don't need a Savior, you're sadly mistaken because I'm here to tell you that you need a Savior to be saved. That's why God sent him. The only way to the Father is through the Son. That's biblical. It lines up in his absolutely true word. So this morning I ask you the question, are you a seeker? And I'll give you the scripture that led to this question. As God highlighted it in my Bible, as I was reading. It is Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus said. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. But I'm going to back up. I'm going to start at the beginning of verse 19. I just wanted you to know what spurred on my thought process and and what God had for us this morning. Chapter 19, starting in verse 1. It says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus sought to see Jesus who he was. And he could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. What's the answer to my question for Zacchaeus? Was he a seeker? He was seeking out to see who Jesus was, right? He had heard of him. He was impressed by what he was doing and the works that he had heard. And he said, I have to see what this guy's all about. He didn't let anything stand in his way, little of stature, couldn't see. He found a way to see Jesus. Are you seeking Jesus with everything that you have today? Yesterday, tomorrow, any day of the week that question stands, are you seeking Jesus with everything that you have? Are you going to let any obstacle stand in your way? Yeah, you may have a flat tire on the work, but are you going to see Jesus in it? You may run out of gas. you going to see Jesus in it? The obstacles are short-lived because why? They don't stand in comparison to a Savior that died for you. 
though little in stature, Zacchaeus found an answer to see Jesus. He clomb a tree. He had to put forth effort, right? Sometimes it takes a lot of effort for us to see Jesus. Sometimes we get stuck on ourselves, and we can't get past us to see Jesus, right? That's why that song hit me this morning so hard. Give me your eyes. Gosh, give me your eyes so that I can see. I want to see you, God. I want to see you in my shortcomings, my failures, my successes, my rest, my action. God, I want to see you in everything that has to do with me. Everything. I want to see you in everything that I am, was, is, or is going to be. I want to see you. Why? Why would I want to see that? Because that's where my home is. That's where my peace is, right? God gives us this peace that he says is unexplainable, uncomprehendable to the world because they don't get it. But as children of the king, we know this peace. We can enter in to that rest that I was talking about this morning, right? We've been beat up and battled this whole week to get to here on Sunday, where we can get to like believers, like thinkers, like ourselves, that love one another to get built back up so that we can go back out again, right? That's why we're here, to get rejuvenated. It's an opportunity this morning to see God more clearly because you're amongst other believers. What an opportunity. Did anybody wake up this morning like, ah, oh, yes, today is a day of opportunity. I get to go think like other people think. I get to go be with other people that believe things like me. I get to stand in the presence of God. Today is a day of opportunity to get rejuvenated because i got to go back to work tomorrow. Because i got to face the world again tomorrow. Because guess what? The world's going to come at me again this afternoon. But this morning, this morning I have opportunity. This morning I have opportunity to group together with 40 other people that think like I think. This morning I have opportunity to gather with 40 other people whose same desire to see God is my desire this morning. Did you come here to have a meeting with God this morning? I did. I want to see God work. I want to see God move. I want to just see God and stand in His presence and bask in His glory because that's the only way that I can be glorious is when I stand in His presence of glory. Because on my own, I am nothing. On my own, I'm just a guy standing up here babbling about a book, right? I don't have anything without him. Zacchaeus did not allow earthly objections to stand in his way of seeing Jesus. It says he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him. And he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. That's a promise. I don't know if you guys see the promise in that right there. Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus with everything that he had, overcome every obstacle that the devil had to throw at him, every obstacle that the world wanted to put in front of him, but he was seeking Jesus, and guess what? When he sought Jesus, he found him. 
And Jesus found him where he was at. Why? Because he was seeking him. That's why he found him. That's a promise. He says it in the other part of his word. He says, seek me and you'll find me. He says it. It's a promise. It's just another example. Zacchaeus sought him and Jesus recognized somebody who was truly, fully, and wholeheartedly seeking him. So I'm asking this morning, are you a seeker? Jesus said, I'm coming to your place. Come down from there because we're going to your house. You sought me. You found me. Now I'm going to abide with you. And Zacchaeus, what did he do? He said he made haste and he came down and received him joyfully, right? Amen. How exciting is that? Whenever you receive Christ, right? David says, take me back to that day. I wish I could live every day as if that day was the day I received Christ. Guess what? Every day you get to have Christ dwell inside of you because you're a true temple of God and you host the Holy Spirit. Every day, every day, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Every day you get to host Jesus in your house, right? Man, it's exciting. It says, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner, right? The world can't get past itself. Just, you know, if it was anybody else, it'd be a man was going to eat lunch with another man, right? What's the big deal? But because Jesus was fully righteous and the world sought to see bad in him and everything that he did, they said, ah, oh, it's not just a man going to eat lunch with another man. It's Jesus going to eat with a sinner. Thank God that he did, right? Amen. I'm glad that he wanted to eat with sinners like me. It says in verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, we always talk about being saved and salvation that's offered through Christ. But little bit is ever said about repentance. Little bit is ever said about you have to turn away from the life that you lived. You have to turn away from sin and not invite it to your house with Jesus. You have to turn away from it. He says, anything that I have taken in wrongdoing, I'm going to make right because that's the old me. And with you, I get to become the new me in you. He says, you and me and me and you and God above all, right? He's turning away from the life that he lived, the bad life where he stole and took money. He says, anybody that I've done wrong, I'm going to give it back to him. And I'm not only going to give it back to him, I'm going to give it back to him fourfold because that's the new me. And I bless those that persecute me now because I turn away from that mess that I lived in. But because you came into my house this day, and I received you. I'm going to do right to those that I've done wrong in my past. And guess what? I'm not going back there. I move forward today because today I'm a new creation in you. You've made me whole and I get to keep walking. 
I get to keep walking towards my future glory because now you've saved me. Because he came and he ate with a sinner. Now this household has changed. He says, I'm going to go back. And anybody that I've done wrong, I'm going to return it to them fourfold. How many lives do you think that changed? How many lives do you think Zacchaeus changed when he's done all these people wrong? And it doesn't say how many. Maybe he never did anybody wrong, but he said, those who I've done wrong, I'm going to go back. I'm going to give back fourfold. So I imagine there's people to go back to, but somebody that's betrayed you, somebody that's misled you, somebody that's lied to you, stabbed you in the back, comes back to you and said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. Here's what I took from you. And I'm not only going to give you that. Here's part of my personal belongings because I am so sorry that I want you to have more than what I took from you. I want to replace it and I want to maximize it. I want to give you part of myself. Right? Because that's what we do when we become believers in Christ. Because it doesn't stop with us. It bleeds out into other people, right? Like the flowing living water that flows from underneath the, the throne. It doesn't stop with us. We accept God's grace and His mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ, but we shouldn't dam it up and block it in with ourselves. We should be telling other people about this grace and this mercy and this love that we know is God. That's how it expands, right? What happened? What's the greatest, the biggest explosion of Christianity ever in world history is when the church started getting persecuted and they had to travel. They had to go out. And so they weren't confined in one spot, but they were going out. They were delivering the message to places that had never received it before. Why? Because they were being persecuted where they are, so they left. But that didn't stop them from doing God's work. They left the building. They didn't leave the presence of God. So when Zacchaeus is going back to do these things, you can imagine the difference that he made because of the difference that Jesus made in him. Right? That's the difference not because we've made a decision, but because now the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and we are a new creation in Christ. And we seek His glory and we seek His righteousness. And like the song, we want to see with His eyes. We want to reach with His arms. Why? Because ours are dirty. Our eyes are skewed. They don't see very well. They're masked by worldly lusts and idolatries. Our arms reach for selfishness and pride and greed because we want to help people because it helps us, right? We want to give to the poor because it makes us look better. I don't want to see your problems because I don't want to take time to help you, right? That's our eyes. That's our hands. That's why I pray that I can see with God's eyes because God's eyes went and dwelt with a sinner and had lunch with him so that he might be saved. Not so that they could see what he was doing because they didn't like what he was doing. But he did it for Zacchaeus. He did it for the glory of the Father. And so he says, I have, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Are we doing that today? We're supposed to resemble and walk like Christ, right? Right? He was our earthly example, our guide, our goal, our strive that's set before us so that we may walk like he walked or at least strive to. 
right? Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. Is that what we're doing? Are we seeking the lost? Are we actively reaching out and trying to save people that we don't know whether or not they believe in Christ? Is that our reach? And are we doing it totally for the glory of the kingdom of God? Or are we reaching out to help that we may be glorified here? These are tough questions. And I'm, I'm asking myself these questions. Don't think I just say this from the pulpit to ask you guys to put you guys on the spot. God is putting us on the spot because He wants answers. He wants our motives to change. He wants us to desire Him first and foremost. His work, His results, His glory, His honor, His grace. I didn't say me in any of that. Why? Because it has nothing to do with me. Nothing. You can say, yeah, but you stand up front and you teach people. Everybody in here has this responsibility. It's not just me. We all have different platforms that we stand on. But this isn't my responsibility solely. It's every believer in Christ. Matthew chapter 10. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says, And when he called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. You know, God showed this to me one day when I was reading it. It still rings true today. Did you see the difference? He distinguished sickness and disease. Two separate things, right? He said he gave them the power to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Two separate things. Just wanted to point that out. God showed it to me. Thought it was cool. Had never seen it before. I wanted to show it to you. In verse 2, it says, Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, I have no clue if that's how you say that, not even going to try the next name, Labaius, whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. In verse 5, it says, These twelve... Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They say, go, go find the ones that are already there. Go find the safe ones. Go find the ones that are already saved. He said, go find the lost sheep. Commanded them, Right? Told them where to go, or told them where not to go, and commanded them, don't go there, go find the lost sheep. You have to go find the lost sheep. It says, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but the promise is there, right? Jesus is coming back. Say amen if you believe that Jesus is coming back. Amen. amen. Jesus is coming back. I don't know when. As Brother Bruce always used to say, though, I know today we're one day closer than we were yesterday. That's what I know. So is the kingdom of heaven at hand? It absolutely is. Is there time to waste living on the fence? There is not. If you're walking around dismayed and disillusioned by this world, you've got no time to waste. 
because we don't know when Jesus is coming back, but what we do know is that He is coming back. And do you want to be caught up when you stand in front of God and say, I was going to do that tomorrow. I was going to do that tomorrow. I was going to do that tomorrow. How many times do we say that? I was going to do that tomorrow. I was going to pray that prayer tomorrow. I was going to go see that person tomorrow. I was going to pray over that person last week. I was going to pray over this person today, but the song ended too soon. I was going to go visit the altar, but the song ended. I didn't have time. I was going to do that, but I was embarrassed by everybody looking at me. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to. Doesn't stand. I was going to doesn't make a difference. I did. I accepted Christ. I got baptized. I repented of my sin. Those are the things that you can stand in the presence of God and Jesus standing there beside you as a mediator say, yes, he did. Yes, he did. He is covered by my blood. He is one of ours. And the gates will open to you. And you can enter in to a kingdom and a world like you've never known before. Amen? I was going to tomorrow does not get you there. I don't know the time. That's why he didn't say, hey, go preach on September 19th, 2027. Jesus is coming back and you better be right before then. He says, go and preach to him that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's now. Tomorrow might be too late. That's why you can't wait. I was going to will never get you there. I've heard, I've told the story several times. I had a, a teacher that I love dearly. Uh, I've had a great relationship with her in school, out of school. She asked for me to come visit her as she was dying. And I was going to. I was going to. I didn't make it. Because I was going to never came and it didn't come soon enough. Now I've got to live with that. Because we don't know when death is going to call on us. We don't know when death is going to call on somebody else. But I was going to is not soon enough. You can't live a life if I was going to. He said the kingdom of heaven at his hand, and that's all the importance that you need to know is that it is now. If you're going to decide to live a life of Christ and the Holy Spirit is drawing you to him, I was going to isn't soon enough. Today is the day. If anybody wants to make that decision right now, we will stand and we will pray together and we will accept Christ before the sermon is over and we'll get on our knees and we'll applaud and we'll clap just like the angels of heaven because somebody else accepted eternal life. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's what we're here for. Lives need to be changed now. I was going to go evangelize my neighbors. It doesn't work. I was going to doesn't work. Because a lot of times tomorrow just keeps getting farther and farther away. As long as you call it tomorrow, it never gets here. Right? As long as you say I was going to, it never gets here. Jesus commanded it. Don't give them a time. Just tell them it's now. 
They don't need to know an exact time. Nobody needs to know an exact time. That's why I'm not telling anybody. Because the importance is now. The importance of repentance is now. The importance of making a decision to live a life for God is now. You know, I believe in the fact that he never told us exactly when Jesus was born. He never gave us a date, right? That's one of the big discussions. Well, it was in the fall or it was in the spring. It wasn't on December 25th. He never gave us a day. Why? Because us as humans would glorify that day. Look at the day we've made and look what we do with it. And he never even gave it to us, right? I mean, imagine if he gave us a day, what we would do with it. He, the biggest thing is that we honor and glorify the new king that came as a baby that was laid in a manger, not December 25th, right? We get it miscued. That's why we want to see with God's eyes. Verse 7, as, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you received, freely give. Who's responsible for their own salvation? Nobody in here, right? Jesus died to give it to us freely that we might have it for free. That's what he's saying. You've done nothing of your own accord. Your successes are God's successes through you. That's what you don't understand. That's what a world says that I am so successful. I preach at a church with 5,000 people. I'm a successful pastor, right? No. Whether you're preaching to one or 1,000, you're successful because God put you in a place that you were able to share the truth of Christ. You are successful because God gave you an opportunity and the skills to capitalize on it. It has nothing to do with me standing up here. God gave me knowledge and wisdom that I could read His Word. He put me in a place where I could accept the spot as pastor. He gave me a job that I could spend more time with my family and spend more time in His Word, not promoting an object that creates delusion and mistrust and misfortune. Right? Nothing to do with me, and He does it in a way where you can't claim victory for yourself. That's what He did with me. He says, go be a banker. I'm like, I have no experience. You don't need it. Why? Because it's not of you. God says it's of me. You're going to do that job because that's where I want you. And this is the time I want you to go. So you go. Okay. Right? It's that easy. God says, go, you go. It's not hard. Why do you think he says so many times you have little faith? You have little faith, right? Just telling his disciples, you have little faith. You have little faith. Why? Why? I'm right here with you. You have little faith. You stepped out of the boat. You walked on the water. But then you begin to sink because your eyes fell off of me. God is our all in all. He is our everything. We shouldn't hold any of it back. We have freely received, so we freely give to everybody else. Right? That's what God's telling us here. Verse 9, he goes deeper. It says, provide neither gold nor silver, 
nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. So I'll ask you again. said, the workman is worthy of his meat. Are you a seeker? Are you seeking God's purpose on your life? God's purpose makes all the difference in your life. You can live a life of your own, but it'll bring you loneliness, destitute, and solidarity. Or you can step into God's will, and He says, I'll give you life, and not only life, but I'll give it to you, what? More abundantly. I'll give you more things than you could ever even see. So whenever you go, don't worry about these material, worldly things. Just go, and I will provide for you. I always think about Elijah when he was on the run and and just wanted to die out there, right? He's like, man, I'm the only one left. I'm running for my life. God, just take me. Just take me now. God brings him food and water, says, eat, drink. You've got to build up some strength because guess what? I'm not done with you. You have purpose. And I'll provide you everything that you need to keep going. To keep striving. And in verse 11 it says, In whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever shall, whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of the house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Does he let the world control their response or their actions? No. Because somebody rejects them, do they stop talking? No. He says, shake it off. Move on to the next one. Shake it off. Move on. Somebody laughs and spits in your face? Who cares? You're doing my work. You're for my purpose. The world's going to laugh at you. They're going to scorn you. Whenever he came to raise the dead, the people sitting in the room laughed at him before he did it. They laughed at him. He didn't get mad and say, watch what I can do. He said, get out. I don't need that kind of hate in my presence. Get out. It didn't stop him from doing what he came there to do. It didn't change anything about him. He didn't let that emotion overtake him. He didn't allow those people to control him. He simply said, depart. Get out. Go. That's why he tells us that we have the power to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Shake it off. You tell them about it, they don't want it, not your problem. You did what I told you to do. I've went through some dark seasons in my life where I've done a lot of my time looking around. And God picked me up by the shirt collar and he said, stop looking around and do what I told you to do. Don't worry about them. I'll deal with them. Right? Because their decision doesn't have an effect on you. 
Their faith doesn't have an effect on you except for the rejoicing of their salvation. Right? Yes, we mourn for the lost. We do. That's who we came here to seek, right? Chapter in Luce, he said, I came here to seek the lost and save them. I come here to seek them and save them. Verse 16. If you weren't encouraged yet, this is a verse that will encourage you. Verse 16, it says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But be aware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought or how you will speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaks into you, right? That's a promise, amen, that God is going to deliver. It doesn't matter what kind of situation that the world puts on you. God says, I am your deliverer, and I will come through on my promise for you. That's what I stand on in this world. I was talking to an atheist the other day, and he was asking me, because he knew I was on school board and everything like this, he said, what are the plans? Does it make you nervous? I know what your answer is going to be, right? Because he knew in talking to me where my peace came from. He's just denying himself, but it's only for a season because it's coming back around, right? Atheists don't believe in anything, but he knew where my peace was coming from, so they believe in something. I'm just saying that. But in my answer, I said, yes, it makes me a little nervous for my family. I'm not going to lie. The human part of me is a little nervous. But the child of the king part of me says it doesn't matter. Because I know where I'm going. If I get sick tomorrow of COVID-19 and die, that changes nothing because I'm still going to heaven because COVID hasn't changed any of that. COVID hasn't changed the Word of God. He hasn't changed your destination place. He hasn't prohibited the construction of my room in the mansion. Amen? Construction people are backed up all over, man. Mine's not backed up. It's in process. I'm excited about that. That nothing, 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 nothing on here on earth has surprised God, has caught Him off guard, makes Him feel out of control, that we serve a King that still sits on the throne, and a God that is still in control of everything. Amen? That's where I'm at. Does it make me nervous? Sometimes. That's only when I dwell on what the world has to offer me. And then I snap back and I start seeking God, and I'm like... God, it don't matter. It doesn't matter what happens down here. The economy crumbles. The world breaks out into war. That will have no effect on my salvation. Zero. It doesn't. I may not be able to stand up here behind a pulpit and preach in a church anymore. Should that stop me from preaching the gospel? Negative. Negative. So because you come up against an obstacle, it says it don't matter. Zacchaeus was short, right? He says, I can't see Jesus. Guess what he did? He found a way. So in this world where they're trying to blind us, they're trying to put their hands over your eyes so that you can't see Jesus. 
They want you to get caught up in everything that is happening because when you're blinded by this world, you can't see what is to come. When we're conversations turn from the Word of God and in Bible studies and things of that nature to this world, we're being blinded and distracted by what is happening here, not what is going on up there. Now we're all going to have problems. He just said it. He just said it. He said, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. You've got to be wise. You've got to be wise as serpents, but as tender as doves. Harmless as doves. Why? Because there's a whole lost world that needs compassion. There's a whole lost world that needs forgiveness. There's a whole lost world that needs to see love. Why do you think God says, I am love? Why do you think there's a world in chaos that lacks love? Anywhere there's a lack of God, there's a lack of organization and freedom, right? When, you're, when you take God out of the equation, you can just take God out and you insert chaos because that's where it's going, right? I mean, I'm not telling you guys anything new, and you can look around and see everything that tries to blind you from seeing the kingdom of God that is to come, that's a promise that we stand on, our hope that is set in the future, right? This world doesn't want you to see your hope. They don't want you to see your future where you become fully righteous in the sight of God, right? I'm going to shed this old nasty stuff off. Man, I'm going to be glorified by the King of kings and by the Lord of lords, by His grace and His mercy to stand in a light that's so bright that you can't even look at it. That's yet to come. Nothing I can say up here this morning is going to even stand in resemblance of the goodness that is to come. Nothing that I can say up here this morning, the sacrifices that I've made are going to stand against the sacrifices that Christ made on the cross for us. Why? Because I'm one of the ones that hung him there. I'm part of the reason that Jesus was nailed there. I didn't want to be. I still don't want to be, but I still am. That's why I need what he did for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 16. It says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yeah, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. I want everybody to know that this isn't talking about the person standing behind the pulpit in the church. This does not have parameters. This is the children, the king of God. Although Paul is talking about himself, it says, for, I, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Because why? Because God called him to it. Paul knew his purpose. His life's purpose when he met God on the road to Damascus, it changed him forever. And all of a sudden, he was stricken with a purpose. Right? And he often starts off with, I'm a slave to it. Are we slaving for the kingdom of God? And that which we glory, right? It says, But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me, for it were better for me to die than any man should make my glory void. 
Oh, sorry, I skipped up a verse, not down a verse. It says, verse 17, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. What is he saying right there? He's like, God's called me to a purpose, so I'm going to leave my purpose behind. I'm going to leave what I had planned behind, and I'm going to pick up the cross, right? He says you have to pick up your cross daily. Why? Because we continually, when I pop out of bed in the morning, I want to say, gosh, I got this and this and this planned for my day, and rarely... Do I leave room for God to work in my life, right, as I'm planning my agenda for the day? It's not like, oh, you know what, I'm going to have a person come in at 9.30 into my office, and I'm going to get a chance to witness to him because I know that's what's going to happen. Nope, I wake up and I'm like, gosh, I've got to get these papers ready, and i got this meeting, and i got to go to that meeting, and i got to check up on this, and i got to organize that, and i got to do this. And then my day's over and I gotta come home and I gotta help cook and clean and we got kids and maybe ball games and practices and then I'm gonna maybe get to bed by eleven and then I'm gonna get back up at four thirty because this is my life. But Paul says, All that stuff that you had planned, now you're serving the purpose of God. I've got a purpose. And my sole purpose is to preach the gospel, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to leave everything else behind. What if we approached life like that? God says, I know you need a job, right? You've got a family to support, but don't make and let that job run your life. Serve me in that job. Yeah, I know you're organizing things, and, and you've got a million people under you trying to organize other things, but don't leave me out because I put you in that spot. To glorify my kingdom. Yeah, I know you're busy, but if I send a man to you, God says, if I send a man to you and I want you to talk to him about the gospel, you better take the time to talk to him about the gospel because you may be the only Bible that they ever read. So our purpose, our purpose is what? Our purpose is to seek God, love on people, and share the truth. And Paul says, that's fitting for me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to leave myself out of it. Because myself wants to serve myself. And I've got self-agendas. And I've got an I mind. And I'm not going to do it anymore. My purpose is God's purpose. It says in verse 20, it says, Into the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the God, to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became as I weak, that I might gain the weak. And I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. See, Paul knew that he wasn't going to save everybody, Right? Paul knew that everybody wasn't going to accept him, but he said, I became all things for all people that some might be saved. So that some might be saved, so the sacrifice of yourself 
For the gain of one to the kingdom of God, make it all glory, and the angels in heaven will rejoice, right? If you sacrifice your whole life, your whole life from birth to death, you say, I'm going to live a purpose for God, and you don't ever have any friends, and you don't ever have a house, you don't ever have a car, but you saved one, glory to God, right? That's the purpose. So when you stand around and you say, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. First, seek God. First and foremost, seek God. Second, go to His Word. His living Word gives you purpose. And then allow God to define it individually. Because God will send you places. God will have you talk to people. He'll show you these things along the way, but know what your original purpose is. First is to seek Him, and then second, it's to seek the lost. Right? I can have, me and Brian, we can fellowship for five hours out of every day, but if the only thing I ever do is fellowship with Brian, me and him, we've not done anything for the lost. It's great for us, but it's helping nobody else, right? He says, I came to seek the lost and to save them. Gosh, Zacchaeus started out seeking Christ. And then what's he turn around and do? He starts seeking the people that he'd done wrong to so that they might be saved. Paul says, so that I might could save some. He says, you're going to be shipped out like sheaves in a pack of wolves. Man, they're going to try to eat you up but you can stand on my promises that I give you hope, I give you salvation, and I give you a lifeline to talk to me anytime that you want to. Glory to God, amen. Because without that, without that, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. Because Jesus Christ paved a way so that I might have access to the Father. But Paul says, I became all things. He says, to the weak, I became weak that I might gain the weak. And I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof. Know, know ye not that which run in a race, run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain run that you may obtain. If you would, please stand with me this morning. As we open up the altars today, I'm going to ask you the same question. Are you a seeker? First and foremost, be a seeker of the kingdom of God and what God would have for you. Second, as believers, as children of the one true king, we should be seekers of the lost. We should be finding these people that need help and if all you can do is pat them on the back and say nothing, you've shown them something that the world never will. A lot of times when I talk, my tongue gets twisted and I just get in the way. Sometimes no words are the best words. Sometimes just being there for somebody doesn't mean with wisdom or power or glory. But because you have God inside of you, guess what? You've taken the Holy Spirit to that person. Not for glory of yourself, but for glory of God.
That's what we have to remember. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you this morning, or there's a question to what I'm even talking about, come talk to me. Come talk to me. If there's questions that you don't understand or questions that you don't know, or I don't even know if I'm a seeker or not, ask the questions. Let's get into God's Word together, man. What a sweet sound it was when we all came together and sang for God's glory this morning, right? Man, I'm a terrible singer. But when I got other people singing with me to the glory of God, it sounds so good. Every time it happens, I just stand in awe of what God does. I just stand in awe of what God does. Imagine what we did with our voices this morning was our voices not only here but outside of the church, that we're all walking with one mind and one accord, right? Because we're all seeking the same thing. Well, I'm telling you that that's the way that God designed it because He told us what to seek after. He told us where to keep our minds he told us what to do with our hands and our feet. Man, if you're seeking it this morning, come find it. The altars are open. God came to seek us. Are you seeking Him? The altars are open this morning.